0: Um, Welcome, handsome family. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> APC Chats at South by 2017. We're basically sitting down and collecting and hearing and sharing stories because everybody has one. And when we think about who you all are in our lives, this is like our surrogate family from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, one of the things that we've enjoyed most is just knowing your goodness and having that be shared and seen in all ways. And you've moved to the Midwest, and you're kind of reimagining your home in a small town that needs reimagining, and we just wanted to see what that journey was like and hear more about it and what you're doing as a family to stay grounded and centered and to move a community forward if that is your intention. So we'll let you open up.
1: Huh. um, Where to start?
2: So it's my fault. I'll put it that yeah, way. It's her, it is her fault. I would not have chosen
1: the small town Midwest. Let's start like, with blame. Like, like, it's an easy, it's an easy way to start. It is.
2: Um, I mean, we moved here, we moved to Austin right before Serena was born. So I was pregnant with Serena and didn't realize it. So almost 16 years ago, um, because Matthew had family here and we were,
1: and this is where I was before we got married.
2: Yeah, we were 21 and 22 and thought, you know, let's just move. Let's try something fun. And so we lived in Austin for 15 years, and and it was very good to us. Um, We had lots of seasons of life here, and I feel like I can even geographically locate the changes of life that happened. You know, this is where I matured as a mom and as a neighbor, and this is where I matured as a person. This is where I learned to engage my my voice for social activism, and I learned about other people. Um, And so that was probably the last phase before we left, um, right before we left. And so... Mm -hmm. We left knowing that we needed a little bit of a break from the city. The Austin is a really amazing and sometimes intense place, depending on your personality. And so we needed a break from the city. Um, and so the most natural and unnatural choice was to move where my family was, which is in the Midwest, but not like the Midwest, like, I'm, I'm sorry to anybody in Knoxville that hears me say this, not the charming Midwest, like the part of the Midwest that really doesn't have a lot of pride and a lot of economy um, and a lot of th- reasons to move there. Um, Which is what we got as soon as we moved, like lots of, why the hell would you move here from Austin, right? But frankly, I mean, so many citizens from the state of Illinois, why did you move here? Did you do that on purpose? Like there had to be some bad reason why we had moved to where we were. Must be divorce, must be that you hate your life, must be some sort of mental breakdown. (laughs) Um, But the truth was we moved there for family. We, you know, I still had this um, kind of burning desire to live around my family that never, I had never satisfied. So I'll just put it that way. Um, And so that was what landed us where we were.
1: And so, Yeah. And so I would say that probably the theme of our life, um, once we kind of stepped away from some of the corporate world there, which is where I started when we first were married, was uh, we didn't really have like a vision. This is what I want to do so much um, as much as uh, I guess the best way to sum it up is we wanted to give voice to the voiceless. That was it. Whatever that looked like, we had no idea. And, um, and at that time, it looked, it looked like um, work in the faith community, right? The faith community kind of needed a facelift and work in some of the nonprofit uh, worlds. And, and we began to connect uh, these two worlds together. And that's kind of what we did in Austin for a long time. We did some international work as well. Um, when we left to go to the Midwest, so my side of the story is I was very, very burned out. Just go 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 go, and I just I crashed like I crashed pretty hard, and we needed a good support network. Can uh,
3: you tell people what you were doing before before you left? Is just tell our audience what you were doing. Yeah, before.
1: I was. I mean, we had planted three different churches, and we started a nonprofit here in Austin, a couple nonprofits here in Austin, um, and uh, we we had some international work going on that specifically dealt with uh, human trafficking issues um
2: well and it's still a nonprofit here in austin yeah. That's allies, against allies against slavery yeah we helped yeah.
1: start that um and then the and then the few churches and so the work we did was good we're proud of the work we did um but at some point i think i hit a realization i think i was even telling sarah one time i don't know who i am anymore i feel like i got lost in the work and um she she just responded like matter of fact well you should know who you are. You should figure that out. And so I said, but it could get really bumpy. And so she goes, that's okay. And no woman oh right? has ever, oh my God. I right? wanted to hear that. Right? right? I had no idea. And four so, kids in mortgage. Yeah, four, we have four kids in Life. So I'll
2: say this too though, because I remember the moment when it happened. There was a moment before church one Sunday. and I remember was sort of praying, so we we're getting ready to go to church. And I, I literally like kind of felt in my spirit like you act like what you know, and not how he's going to be right now. Like, and so I heard that, and it was like, oh, okay. I don't exactly know what that means yet. To act like what I know, who I know I am, as opposed to how he's going to act. And it, I mean, that happened yeah, for probably a progressively over a couple of years. And so. He knew it was coming, and I knew, but for a very different reason. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: And so yeah. <laughs> I, I probably, w- we left, um, we had got some pretty good offers in some other great cities, um, but we just didn't feel it was the right time to step back into that. And so we needed a good support system, and we just knew that. And I went from what, like, spiritual mystics would call an apophotic period, right? This, this, like, deep, dark, divine absence and I spent the first couple months grasping to get out of that. Go ahead.
0: Like, and you weren't in New York. <laughs> <I> Kidding. <know, right? laughs> right. mm-hmm. That's yeah. one of the most beautiful human places I've ever lived. Uh, but I feel like at different yeah. times in my own journey, I felt like I was lacking in spirit. Yeah. yeah. And I, I correlated it to like the Siddhartha journey. Okay. When he was a merchant. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And he was just looking around and being like, the excess Uh of everything. And then he was about to jump in the river and he thought to himself, I am not this. And it was that I that he knew that there was something else.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. No. But what is the word that he used? Apophotic. So the early early church mystics, it's like there's all times where we feel like maybe the divine, we don't feel the divine Mm -hmm. or spirit or whatever word we want to use, right? but then there's there are times where you can actually feel the absence, like the absence is a weight in and of itself. It's almost like black, a uh, dark matter, mm-hmm. right? Like they discuss in uh, dark matter in space, right? And so it it was like that, um, and I was essentially being stripped of all the different things that I had put my identity in outside of myself, mm-hmm. right? And so there was there was probably about eight months, I think, right? Was that about it? About eight months
3: till February, till Til so February, from August to
1: February. Yeah. <laughs> And we didn't make any choices up until then, whether we were going to stay or not um, until we came out of that. that that'd be a bad place to make a decision right at life. Um, and then after that, we just, we began to survey um, the people, uh, faith communities, uh, politicians, um, the people at farmers, big farming community. Um, and it just seemed like nobody there could, uh, they, nobody could see beauty anymore, right? And this is, this is the heartland of the United States. And I read this uh, um, quote by Walt Whitman, and he said, uh, beauty is the handwriting of God. I was like, these people can't read anymore. Well, obviously, they could read a book, but they couldn't see the beauty that was right there in front of them, the soil and the, you know, the cornfields and the stuff that they made with their own hands. It was no longer beautiful. It was desperation. It was survival, and we just thought that, you know, our whole life has been so far about just giving voice. And at one point, it just happened to be faith communities that that worked in and happened to be nonprofit, but we weren't married to either of those. Um, and so we thought, is there a way that we could we could stay here? We could actually be present and sink ourselves into this soil. And and maybe maybe our lives could help them see the beauty that is already there right in front of them. And so we thought that sounded like, Natural to our story, right? And that seemed like that's what we've been doing. And and so, why not pick a place that is the exact opposite of Austin to do that in, right?
0: Well, yeah, talk about what's new and next in all things innovation or hotbed for, you know, I don't like to use the word disruptive, but like the hotbed of disruptive technology, whatever it is that's very celebrated in America right now is new and next. What mm-hmm. better way to kind of do the full journey back to center and say, like, I'm going home?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
3: Absolutely,
2: and I
1: think that was like th- that statement right there. I'm going home. Um, one of the things that kind of helped me through that that apophotic time was uh, studying the hero's journey, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that whole going home part, it, like it seemed to, it seemed to click well. Mm-hmm. It made sense out of why the hell would you go to a place like this? Yeah. Well, that's this is why. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely.
0: How has that been as a family to kind of? because it's not just and I feel like a lot of people come to the sense of identity crisis of uh, crisis of faith crisis of conscience, crisis of you know what's what's been your identity versus what you know you have in you and I think our our parents have gone through this and that manifested and self-expressed in different ways I think we're going through this to some extent um, I wouldn't know what that's like as a family that stays together you know, as Mm -hmm. a man questioning his journey. And and it's a very real and human thing. But to stay through that, how have you guys worked through that as as leaders of your family, as a couple, and as parents? Because I'm sure it
2: was hard. Well, I'd kind of love to get our 15-year-old daughter's (laughs) opinion a little bit because I feel like I could polish it really nicely. So she's shaking her head. But I feel like I'd like to hear what has your experience been through these different phases from, you know, the first time we left Austin and, and, you know, that, that time out at the Lake house um, and the transition into Knoxville, then now finally a place that we're calling home. Can you talk about that? And then we can talk about our side of it, but I feel like I'll get, I'll get a less filtered version um, from her. Well, I mean, if I understood the
4: question correctly, you're fine. Um, If I understood the question correctly, it, I mean, seeing you guys work through it, it was kind of, you can, I can definitely in my head see the different phases, especially for dad. Um, I remember at, uh, where we first were at, uh, our grandpa's and grandma's house, it kind of being, we still didn't know what we were doing kind of, and still kind of getting our landing. I mean, that's how it's been for like the past year, but there especially. Mm-hmm. And then I remember at the lake house, like, there was sometimes, it was like, I don't use the word scary but it was kind of like you didn't want to talk to dad because he didn't know well none of us knew what was going on right there but it was like he's trying to figure something out right now and he doesn't know what he's doing exactly I mean none of us do but it was just stay away for a little bit not to like nag on you dad but (laughs) but give him the space yeah and I mean there were obviously times where mom did that especially coming home after work because she's been at home with us for the past well, 15 and a half years. And then her having to go back to work and starting up again, basically, was obviously rough for her, which made it rough for everyone. And I think finally, like, finding Knoxville was kind of like the starting point of like peace, basically. Like, I don't want to say complete chaos because we obviously had great moments there, like, every once in a while. Mm. But once we saw Knoxville and like we looked through the schools and we met people there and dad got offered work at a church and stuff, it just seemed to start to kind of lay into place. And I feel like I could see that through everyone emotionally, like we were just ready to find one place and Knoxville is just that place. And actually living there, mm-hmm. I can see that because everyone, well, everyone loves Knoxville right now. Like I like where we're at with the building the house or the different things that we're going to plan, what we plan to do in Knoxville, through the schools, what everyone's doing. and Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's
0: amazing to capture, and I give you credit for the the conversations that you foster with your kids, because it was not the case in previous generations, in our generation, of how people mm-hmm. or parents talked. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm like, okay, where's the, where's the book? <laughs> and when is it available? Because I feel like the presence <laughs> of mind to know that there's gonna be times and Sunday you've talked about this in, in you know giving advice to relationships and marriage had someone told you that there's gonna be seasons
1: yeah, of, right. of,
0: of figuring it out yeah. and and if I had known that as a kid that these are these are their issues this is their hero's journey and it has nothing to do with you or your sense of place or importance or peace just to have that at your age is amazing. So let mom
2: talk. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I think so that is probably one of our strategies honestly was a little bit, you talked a little bit about Sunday being the North star um, before we started recording, but um, before we moved, we asked, asked everybody. So we went on a two month long road trip um, as a family to sort of just get the hell out of Dodge. Frankly, it was like, I don't want to make any decisions about life um, in a place where it's familiar. So let's go be super uncomfortable in a place in a way that sounds kind of fun. Um, and so we explored the Western U.S. for two months, right? And so throughout, we started the conversation with the kids. What would it look like to you to move back to where Nana and Papa live and where Mom grew up, and it's way different, and we're a little scared because, you know, we've only been adults here in Austin, really. I mean, and I didn't like the adult I was when I left Illinois, and so what does it look like to be So we started that conversation really early on, frankly, um, with them, um, would you, how would you feel about this? How would you feel about living around cousins? How would you feel about, um, you know, kind of having a little bit of a slower life and we don't know what we're going to do for work, but we'll figure it out, you know? Um, and so we started that conversation probably this yeah. summer before. Um, and everybody, what's funny about kids is they can make a decision pretty quickly. Like mm-hmm. I'm good with it. And you're like, well, They're are, more connected um, to their uh, uh, <laughs> I'm right, like, right. Are you sure you don't need to process that a little bit? Like think about all you're going to lose and think about all that might not be okay. um, and so they were really okay with it, frankly. Um, and I don't think they knew everything that was, you know, like we're both adults looking back, like they they didn't know everything that was coming, but um, that's okay. Like you said, they're really connected. We didn't they're know that was coming. No, we didn't right. either. But like, so we asked. Um, and that is um, pretty different than my upbringing as well. Like, I don't remember being part of the conversation of what we were going to do even on Friday night, frankly. Like, and so it was to ask them, how do you feel about moving um, was pretty... Pretty different um, than what my experience was too. Um, I think that's generational a little bit, you know. <laughs> so um, I don't, I don't dec- like, I don't say I wouldn't have anything bad to say about the way my parents raised me, but it's just different, right? Um, and so, so having a conversation with our kids about what we were going to do um, has just been something that sort of evolved over the course of you know, like they were involved in the small conversations, and so of course they're involved in the big ones too. Um, so anyway, I lost a little bit of track of what I was no going to I, say. Think, it, I think I <laughs> think
1: no I think one of the things we did because it didn't have i don't think it happened in her family it didn't happen in my family and I think that's it was pretty abnormal probably for our generation but um when I was kind of going through whatever we want to call it i think and was diagnosed with depression but uh, breakdown or what have you, I would have these like these like weird like um where I would just cry, I'd be like in a restaurant and we'd start crying like for no reason. And there's one and you're time, not a
0: know, laying, I, laying in bed. May, maybe I am. Very no, but that was, for that, our family. That was my next story. So
1: but one yeah, night, here it is. Like yeah. one night, I'm laying in bed and we're in a hotel because she was traveling for her work and um, I I was on like a nine month sabbatical, so I could. We just traveled together and I was laying in bed and I just start crying and she. Had, I felt bad for her because she's like, there's all this stuff, right? That she's. I didn't ask for this, right? And I know. Uh, her family wasn't that way and she just put her hand on my back and just let me cry and I couldn't tell you why I just right and so I think she probably took I think we've been pretty much an egalitarian family but I, I would say she took lead well like I think the heroes of this story during this time are Sarah and the kids and she was like we just gotta tell the kids you know we just gotta tell them what's going on and even though we can't tell them why it's going on or, you know, what it is, we just got to tell him right now, dad's going through a lot emotionally and he's kind (laughs) of, kind of messed up. And so Mm -hmm. that's what we just did because, um, we felt like our family kind of keeping some of that stuff from us that didn't go well Mm -hmm. necessarily. So let's just, so we didn't, we didn't have like a, we didn't know what it'd go like to tell him the truth necessarily, but we thought, why not? Let's, let's, let's tell them. It's it's what we've done in our life so far. that's the title of the book, just tell them. And just tell them. Maybe that's it, right? Just tell them. And so that's what we did. And um, you're always a little bit afraid that the kids are going to be like, Dad's crazy, right? (laughs) Or something like that, right? Except they're like the most gracious reminders of the divine, that they're just kind of like, it's okay. And the grace that they give is like I said they're the heroes of the story them and Sarah is this it's this grace that kind of creates an environment that that makes makes healing inevitable right so the environment that they created for me made it I couldn't do anything but heal and so and that came from just being open just being here's the stuff that's happening to dad right now and
0: just huge is as two people, and not to speak for my siblings, but as two people who didn't have the benefit of knowing what was going on, and our parents didn't have the benefit of really knowing or understanding what was going on between them or how to get through it. And and they say it all the time. Like, had we had, my dad said it, like, had I had just someone tell me, mm-hmm. you know, that there would be mm-hmm. seasons or that I would figure this out, mm-hmm. things would have looked different. But what it's done for us, um, and there was a, a column in the New York Times about siblings and that like Maureen Dell. I don't know if it was Modern Love or whatever, but it was about siblings that were really close and connected. And they'd gone to a wedding and someone came up like, how do I get my kids just to get along? Like you guys get along because you just really have each other's backs. And one of the siblings said, well, just have a messy divorce. <laughs> <laughs> because that's, that's going to force them to really come together yeah. as one. And at one point we decided this is our union. Yeah. We don't know what's going on with them. Yeah. We don't know what that looks like or what it's going to look like. But this is where we derive our strength and our... Our sense of place, and, and that's kind of heavy for fourteen and twelve year olds yeah. and ten year olds to it decide. Is. But I feel like um, it's kind of a paradox on a man and what we're taught as you know as spiritual seekers or as Christians or whatever it is that you may be. But like mm-hmm. to submit yeah. to right. the will of yeah. the man or to the you know, and to let yeah. them lead. And what you've done, and you talk about a hero's journey going back to center. I feel like a lot of men are raised outside themselves. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sure and 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 like the 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 pressure to provide mm-hmm. and to lead and to be somebody so that you can leave a legacy mm-hmm. and and that's a lot of freaking outside pressure mm-hmm. a lot of pressure yeah without really going back to what is your home and your home is the woman that you chose to raise or build a family with mm-hmm. and and so it's it's like your home was literally going back to your support system in times right. of crazy because that is your mama bear instinct of like we need to go where it's safe mm-hmm. and it may not be as interesting or as beautiful or as creative you know hyped up whatever the city that we live in right now is mm-hmm. but we need to go where it's safe and your hero's journey lands you back to your decisions yeah. of the woman and the, the kids which i think is amazing yeah,
2: yeah. Indeed. Um, it, well and what's interesting too even is like the idea of returning home like i was even kind of tossing this idea around today like the idea of like leaving home, coming home, finding home, right? Mm-hmm. Like the idea of home is really unusual when you are in the place where you grew up and yet you don't feel like you belong. And so um, that's been a unique, like sort of maybe evolution for me to discover that one, I didn't want to go back to the person that I was when I was there. Um, I wanted to be who I am now there, but I wanted to be there. And so it's this, it's this unusual. And again, it's sort of, there's like some, some like, Staking your claim to be done, then when you go back to like your place of origin, um, that sort of made you, but you're not really proud of who it made you, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's just some stuff to be there's just some things like some thoughts to be had about um going back to that and um not knowing what to do entirely and knowing how to claim who you truly are when everybody else will perceive you as the person you were, right? So it's just an interesting sort of an interesting, like, I think we've had. Similar, but some different experiences too because it is my place of origin. Um, and I, But I, I still don't, I'm more connected to who I who I have become as opposed to who I was. So anyway, that's a little. I, I stink at philosophy, so, you know. <laughs> and I don't pretend to know it either, but there is a
0: word that, um, like a Japanese dialect or something, there is a word that the be and being and becoming is just one word. Right, right. Yeah. Which is just amazing. Yeah. And I wrote it down in... A class, and it's in one notebook that I have yeah. in a sea of books. But I need to find yeah. it because it was just like, oh, it's I a, mean, con- it's, I, a it's all those things. It's, it's all those things at it's once. A state of being, yeah. So when you talk about kind of finding and letting who you are now be known at in th- at your place of origin, you're reimagining your place of origin. Talk yeah. to us about that journey. And you you mentioned the lack of pride, which I feel like for a lot of. America and American cities and American towns that if manufacturing left, if work yeah. left, then there is a sense of despair. Mm-hmm. so how are you building? And so pride back.
1: I, I don't okay, so like I don't think we are yet, mm-hmm. right? But we've always been let the let the need create the vision. That's kind of been our our idea, right? Like' where we're, when we're amongst a certain tribe or group or community, what is the need and allow that to feed the vision? Um, that's the title of your second book. That's, that's right, <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, that might have thrown me off. Um, the need no, creates right. right. the vision. And so, you've got this, the breadbasket of America. Um,
2: and it is that, visually. I mean, visually. Like, planes. And you can see the tornadoes coming for 30 miles. Like, that's, I mean, that really is I mean, rolling. I mean, the Great Plains are, are not to be um, dismayed, like they're beautiful.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. And you've got these people who have, who they, they put all their eggs in one basket that this, these, these manufacturing jobs or farming, right? Because this is, everybody needs to eat. So this farming is going to, it's, it can't, it can't not sustain us. It's going to continue to stain who we are. Um, and then, and then agribusiness comes around, and everybody gets into bed with agribusiness because they just kind of have to, because it's the, it's the global trade, right? Their hands are forced. Um, and the manufacturing jobs, they leave. And then you've got these people who have nothing, and they have been in survival mode uh, for I don't know how long, but it's pretty evident that it is survival mode. And so they have no room for aesthetics. They have no room for beauty, for beauty's sake. They have no room for joy, for joy's sake. Um, and we've lived in a city who just like, take. we love beauty. We love joy. We love fun, right? We just like to love it. Um, and so I think who we have been in Austin has informed us of the importance of of, of beauty and aesthetics and joy and laughter and, um, and it's okay to slow down and just enjoy it for the enjoyment's sake. And so that's kind of what, what we are allowing. And this is the, this is the phase we're in right now. And we're allowing that to kind of begin to inform what would it look like to begin to uncover the beauty that's already there? Cause it didn't leave. Mm-mm. They just don't see it anymore because of yeah. the survival. Mode, right. Right. It's not gone. Yeah. It's not gone. Um, and so that's that's what we're asking right now. We're we're at that place where we're saying what is our role mm-hmm. um, in which we can we can in some some way as a family as individuals begin to un- uncover help them maybe see the beauty that's already there and remind them of who they are, right? Because that's what that's what we all need, right? Sometimes when I went through the time of being lost, I needed to be reminded of who I was, mm-hmm. right? Um, and oftentimes we give up our identity for whatever it is, whether it's survival or this job or this occupation, and we need somebody to come alongside of us, right? That's what I needed with my wife and my kids. I needed them to come alongside me and to just say, remember who you are, remember who you are, because that's enough. And we are in a culture that we, we have a hard time understanding enough, right? Mm-hmm. We always want more, um, but, but when we can find, you keep saying the center, when we keep finding our home or our center of that enoughness, mm-hmm. right, of the, this this is who you are. Um, we've landed on whatever word you want to call heaven on earth or wh- mm-hmm. whatever, nirvana, I don't care what you call it. But, and that's what we kind of want to do is we just want to remind them, these people in the Midwest, these people who have shifted into survival mode, who have forgotten, we want to say this is who you are. You don't have to be more than this. This is enough and this is beautiful and it is good own it and be proud of it
0: i think a lot of cities a lot of neighborhoods a lot of communities a lot of people need that yeah and it's just really interesting to watch you guys on that journey as a couple and and the bravery because it is it is brave like just to (laughs) one to to let your kids in on the journey two to admit that you're going through something that is beyond like you talk about like the black matter or dark yeah. matter and just like so big and such a huge void that it is powerful and it's kind right. of like yeah. gobbling up things right like just to acknowledge that that's a space and to let it be without yeah. judgment or without yep. fear of judgment like mm-hmm. what a wonderful space that you guys have created as a unit how do you think you did that
2: like- i was gonna say so i think the practical side of this is like what does it look like to be a little bit Ordinary, even though you don't feel very mm-hmm. ordinary, right? Yep. Um, and so, what it looks like is just like being like being very intentional about family time, like being very normal, um, and like but normal, not just accepting of what like normal speed, normal pace, normal like this is what everybody does, but like um, so I guess just redefining that. I'm kind of stumbling over this, but redefining right. what it looks like to be normal because it doesn't feel very normal to insist that your kids not participate in everything that there is to do but to say like nope we just we just don't and it's not because I don't like it it's because I don't want to be gone tonight I want to be home Um, and like giving into that like desire to be home and feel and not feel guilty for it is really abnormal like and then you sort of realize it because you're the only family home on like a Tuesday night you're the only family who like sits at home and it's kind of like is that okay? And so that feeling even still comes back, like that feeling of like, we're not normal. like And I, and sometimes we are like, it's great to be abnormal. And you're like, sometimes it really sucks. I just want to feel normal. Like I just want to be around people who like get what I'm doing, like that I'm staying home, not because it's bad to leave, but because it's better to stay home. <laughs> and so like, you know, it's just kind of funny. Like, and then like all these funny little family rhythms that we have of like, making dinner instead of like, which is, again, like was a shift for us. Like we kind of had to learn how to make dinner because we do sort of live in a little bit of a food desert. So it was like, if we don't (laughs) want to eat like processed food all the time, we are going to make it. Like we learned how to make barbacoa and we learned how to make tortillas. (laughs) I don't even know how to make barbacoa. That's what I'm saying. Like, so, but you learn because you're like, I refuse to disconnect from this part of culture that I love and that I learned. And so I bought it and now I'm going to learn it. And so like there's all these funny little rhythms that like just seem like little interruptions in the day. But it's like, nope, I'm going to do it that way today. Like I'm, I'm going to do it again that way tomorrow. Um, I'm going to feel a little bit weird because people are going to be like, why don't you have time to go run that errand for me or like take my, you know, t- why don't you just let your kids whatever you know whatever the answer is and it's like because it's just not best like because we can't do it together and I just insist that we do it together more often than not Um, and I think maybe that has been more of a guiding principle is that we be together more often than not and that just necessitates that you just miss out on some stuff but you don't miss out on being together Um, and so that maybe is one like sort of functioning principle about how we've tried I mean everything is still so like trial and error like it's not well, I think I
1: think that's it. I think it's been trial and error. I think we can look back. My, I mean, I feel like I come from a divorced family. Um uh, but I think we look back at the way we were. She's got a great family, but there were things that we can all look back on and say, well, "Our parents did this wrong," and that's not shaming them. They just they just did right. There will be things and our, our, our kids, kids will do. That. Our kids are going to do that, right? <laughs> the the question is right now: How am I screwing up my kids, right? <laughs> right. And how can yeah, I yeah, right Because sure. right? it, it is <laughs> <laughs> right. Because so it no, is added to the bill. I guess. It, yep. Right? Yep, exactly. It, right? it is happening, um, and then we have. But those things that we we I think we got messed up on. We have these like. They they create these mental maps, mm-hmm. and typically, if we don't think about it, right? Which is we just repeat, yeah. we repeat them. That's yeah. what we do. That's the, that's the mental map that it created for us. Um, resilience theory would tell us to break that, right? We don't know what the outcome is going to be if we do something different, but we already. But we. What's ironic is we know what the outcome is going to be if we do the same. Yet we continue to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we've just looked at when we hit these phases in our lives, like when my parents went through divorce. I think you were bringing this up earlier. I don't. And think- I'm
0: okay, just for the record. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Right. <laughs> but
1: but like we didn't. My, I think I knew because I, like I walked out when my mom was sleeping on the couch. That's how I found out, right? But my my brother and sister didn't know until like it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, well, that didn't that didn't go well. That's not mm-hmm. right. That didn't work, yeah. right? We. I don't know what it's going to do if we're just completely open, but
3: that's the most healthy thing that you can do for your children because I, yeah. when you're going through that, instead of making them wonder and guess, is like, is everything going to be okay? It's like, oh, we just need to stand in the gap for dad right now.
1: Yep. Yep.
3: And it's not always going to look beautiful. And he doesn't always have to be that savior all the time. Because I think we, as kids, naturally just place that on our parents. Yeah. And if you're real with them... And it's something that they can walk through with you. It just gives them that much more strength. Yep. You know, empathy and empathy, empathy understanding of the because and so that they can carry that on through their outside relationships. Because they,
1: because like we've said that we brought this up a couple times, right? That we nobody told us that we were going to hit these points where it doesn't work anymore. Like I grew up in the church and I was told that my idea of God was going to just stay the same, and then I hit the age of thirty nine and my idea of God doesn't work for me anymore. And yeah. so what do you do with that? When, it, when I've been made all these promises that it was going, going to work. Yeah. And so we've got to rediscover. And so we figured, why? if this is the way life works, why not bring the kids in it? Because you know what that means? Is one day they're going to probably, hope, hopefully not, but probably they're going to have lost identity. Probably their idea of God's not going to work. Probably their idea of the world is not going to work. And they now can look back and say, this is how mom and dad screwed us up yeah. or this is these are the things that we've watched them go through and this is what life is about.
3: Well, and it's like having that good storytelling like where they've done studies upon, you know, on people that if, what did my grandmother do or yeah. what did my great grandmother do, great grandfather do and they have those experiences to build on. Well, I can I can rely on that to know yes. that she was a yeah. badass or that she, yeah. that he was very strong in this way and those are things that I still call upon knowing what my great uncle did or what my grandmother has done and so they'll have that not just because it's but more so because it's their dad or their mom and knowing what that's like to walk through those marriages you know if those issues come up rather than just like I'm out Right. You know, because it's easy. Yeah,
1: Yeah. it is. Right. And this is what we say. We, this is kind of one of our slogans in the house, right? The only thing that will outlive us on this earth are the stories we tell with our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we go to decision making, the question is not what is more responsible, which that's, but what tells the better story? often right. than well, right, right. <laughs> right. and often You're it does often it does right and it's kind of like what tells the better story for the family because yeah. that's the only thing yeah. that's how I live on I yeah. mean I'm gonna we're all gonna die one day and the only thing that's gonna live on from me is my story Yeah, and the story that they decide to tell to their kids and to their kids and to their kids mm-hmm. and so we just decided that's how we want to make our decisions is what tells the better story
0: And I love that because it's like, it's, it's, it's very intuitive. It's very like Native American, like you plant and Mm -hmm. seed for generations Mm -hmm. to come, not just immediate gratification or instinct. Right. Yep. And, and I don't want to like, I guess to caveat, we are a better family because of what my parents went through. We are a more connected Mm -hmm. sibling group because of what we saw Mm -hmm. where we have our dad in ways that not many people get their dad because Mm -hmm. of his journey and his connection to us Mm -hmm. post marriage. So I, I, I don't want to sound ungrateful because I think it's gifted us with us. It's like mm-hmm. you don't know who you are until you go through crisis. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, we're always prepared for a crisis. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. We right. so yeah. have incredible sure. crisis instincts yes. <laughs> because we know what the rug being yeah. pulled out feels from like. under us actually feels like. So, you know, not to say that there is a, a right way or a wrong way because I feel like it all gets you to a point and it's mm-hmm. up to you to kind of self realize and self actualize yeah. mm-hmm, given history so i don't want to no and you
3: also have i mean our parents our parents never argued so we had no idea right i mean like never like just they just didn't argue so who i go to for arguments
0: i'm like is that normal (laughs) am i a jerk (laughs) because this is what i really want to say and i have ugly thoughts right now that i can't get out uh, what is safe yes you know what would what would push him over the edge like, too far okay yeah. too far I mean, sunday and eric and i'll totally call you guys out because you're in my example yeah. in year one it was like i'm gonna do it i'm like no i'm in college i don't have marriage advice right now but just don't leave it'll get better <laughs> <laughs> whatever you do don't leave we're not yeah. quitters and no. there's yeah, something
4: about right. what we learned yeah. it's just like we don't quit yeah. like divorce isn't an quitting. option yeah yeah so. yeah.
1: yeah absolutely it's
0: just, um, I think it's, you guys have blessed us, not just with friendship or with you know, the friendship that you've shown my sister and her family, but just an example of what it means to be human. And, and it's not that I knew what you were going through, but I think you were really open about it, that you allowed me to see a different side of, of a man and just the beauty of being vulnerable mm-hmm. as a man. Thank you. And and what you've given your kids, and just to see your kids and process. Like, I'll let Serena talk because I feel like the adults have talked way too much, and I wanted to break out in Whitney Whitney Houston. Yeah, (laughs) I believe,
4: (laughs) but you are the
1: future.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, watch Coming to America when you're of age. But um, (laughs) you'll
4: get
0: it. That's a good intro to Whitney. But um, I'll let you talk. I just feel like you guys have given us such a beautiful example of what it means to walk in faith and in partnership and in marriage so thank you for that because i feel like there's what we've been imprinted on or what we've been imprinted with Mm -hmm. and then there's what we get to collect Mm -hmm. as like tattoos like this is what i stand for and this is what it looks like and so i'll let serena share her perspective (laughs) on on finding home in knoxville and and where you're at now
4: because i feel like it's a happy happy place well i would say finding home was like kind of i don't even know exactly how to explain it because a lot of people would think like home is like house, but it's more of like who you're with. Like, hmm. like even though I'm with the exact same people. Like
0: please cue Whitney Houston yeah. right now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, but I mean like, even though I'm with the exact same people I was with a year ago in, um, well, the other house we were staying at and, or two years ago when we were here in Austin, I wouldn't necessarily say I was home, either one of those places. Honestly, I'm, like, going to point out Aiden right here because, like, through, um, what was it? The other place we stayed at, Aiden was, like, my rock right there. Like, whenever I need to talk to someone or, or dad was having a bad day or I just needed to, like, cry or call someone. I'm going to start crying right now. <laughs> um, it's a safe sorry. pod. It's a safe <laughs> pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aiden was, like. There and I'm so sorry, I'm crying. I'm no, like, crying okay. cry <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> no, but I remember, like, oh, I'm sorry, microphone. Um, Aiden was like, and everyone Sunday too, because I remember I've called you once or twice. I need to stop talking to someone else. no, no <laughs> your eyes were too dry. That's okay, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. they're good. Seriously, honey. Let it out. <laughs> we cry all the time, what we do. <laughs> I was gonna (laughs) say, come on now. (laughs) No, I'm not gonna be able to talk though. I'm just gonna Whew
2: But what you're saying (laughs) is that you had people who felt like home. Yeah,
4: basically. And so sorry. Anyway, but like now in Knoxville, it's like I still talk to Aiden every once in a while and he talks to me and I'm with the same people. I talk to the same people, but it's like now Knoxville is home and it's it kind of like I want to say roots cuz roots would normally would mean you have like a history there, but it's like once you start meeting people there, you just start like connecting, like mm-hmm. like I was talking to people earlier. I remember last time we visited Austin, when we left, it was just so hard to say goodbye a second time. And mm-hmm. I remember being kind of questioning coming down for the third time to visit or second time to visit. Um just being afraid of being sad again and being in that place again cuz no one likes that place no but it was kind of a nice realization kind of like as much I love being down here hanging out with you guys and seeing and visiting my rocks through all this um I have friends in Knoxville now it's like I woke up this morning and I got a text from one of them or like kind of sad you won't be at school today dot 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 etc etc and it was like kind of a relief knowing that Like, I missed people. It was weird, though, like, waking up like, oh, I miss them. I'm excited to go back to Knoxville. And it was, like, that, I think, I'd almost say, like, two days ago. (laughs) That's when I would have realized, not two days ago, like, this morning or yesterday. That's when I would have really realized that Knoxville is home now. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when visiting here, I'm like, oh, I'm visiting home. I'm visiting Austin, dot, 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 whatever. But now, like, yesterday, I was like, no, Knoxville's home. Just because, like, that's where you start making your roots I guess would be the way to say that you start reaching out to people and yeah. yeah. Well, and I'll just say this as a mama, like I'm like, Oh, thank God. Like that. It's
2: about the people. Right. Because that's the thing you fear when you kind of move around, um, is that you're going to somehow dislocate and, and sort of create this like really difficult, like that home is sort of impossible to find. Right. Like it's just never. And so, you know, kind of hearing that it is our family, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I was hoping for that, but I don't like you have no guarantee that that is how it's going to be. And so, you kind of do the best you can to just create this like yeah. environment that we are who we are you know, no matter where we are and you know, we can do this anywhere, you know, even if it feels crazy and I don't know, I don't know if this is going to work um, to have, you know, sort of the the folks you're hoping to influence in your kids be like, yeah, it's, this is working because because where home is is where we are. And so I think, I mean, that's something yeah. that I think we've worked really hard, for. really hard um, to try to create. Um, and so anyway, thanks, baby, for sharing yes. that. Thank you. <laughs> so, so what's
0: next for the Hanson family yep. in Knoxville?
1: Uh, we are, we are talking to local officials on um, how we can best serve in community economic and social development. What can we do? We don't believe that's the faith community. We feel like we had a good voice on that here. Um, I get to serve in a little church right now, but it's a little bitty church. And so it doesn't take much of my time. Um, but
2: so in Austin, the church was, was sort of the vehicle for social change. I think a little bit, or the church, the church had forgotten its ability to be the part of social change here. Yeah. Um, whereas where we are now, the church is such a normalized institution that, um, we're not quite sure yet that it's going to be the way that social change comes into the community.
1: So yeah, no, that's great that's and so we are wanting to do something that we've never done before that's our that's like why not and again one of our leading questions has always been i think since she went to ut was um, what will we uh, if if we don't do this thing will we will we regret, will we regret yeah. not doing I was afraid to more. try to
2: go to UT. That's the story there. I was afraid to try to go to UT because I figured for sure they'd tell a 31 year old woman, "No, we don't need you here." Um, and so he told me, yeah. "Give it a shot," and I got in. So and I graduated a couple yeah. years ago. So, so I, I said, re- yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, right? "I think you'll regret." Yeah, not exactly.
1: I think you'll regret not trying more than you'll regret trying and failing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yes. so that's kind of been since then, yeah. uh, another value, right? We, we, mm-hmm. what well, we, we kind of call the way we live called live ordinary well. And it's really just value-based living is what it is and what basically what your values are, put those above everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to, we want to do something completely different as long as it, um, adds value to the social economic and community, mm-hmm. uh, Setting of mm-hmm. Knoxville. If it can do that, we want to be part of it. And so, we're we're looking at uh, opening a coffee shop or brewery or a cafe or something that gives money back into the community. Um, the dropout rate's pretty high there, um, and we want to. We have fit, the highest we,
2: teen pregnancy rate in the state of Illinois, outside so, of Chicago. Not even like Chicago included. Knox County has the highest teen pregnancy well, rate, which is sort of un, like... Um,
4: unknown and, to a lot of people. And so
1: and so we want to we are saying based off of what our, the way our family is gifted mm-hmm. right how can we how can we add to the healing how can we add to beauty how can we mm-hmm. add to value mm-hmm. right and ask people to come alongside of and us. We love and a so, good beer and we, and we
2: love we, good coffee so whichever one of those two folks want to pay. <laughs> Why not? Both? Yeah. Why not, both? Yeah. Why not both? exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
1: But the thing is we want to just do something we've never yeah. done. So, so it'll be family
2: it'll be family business of some sort. That's what we're looking at.
0: So in a town when everybody's looking at what's next and how to have impact and how to have social change and how to build something that's going to last and leave legacy, I think it's really important to look at what your legacy is in the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys have given us that pause of like, yes, we can talk about entrepreneurship. We can talk about community engagement. We can look at nonprofits and business leaders and startups, but like, it every everything that is anything begins with home yep. mm-hmm. and you sure. guys asking the tougher questions or doing the homework and 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 being open with your children i think it's a wonderful example of how to how to start up a beautiful family how to start up a beautiful legacy and 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 i i think there's some real beauty to that that deserves celebrating so thank you for Thanks thank you for being that and modeling that for us because our family learns from your family and i hope that others we do the yeah. same continue to well. man sunday <laughs> sunday
1: used to get earfuls at the beginning of this i would call her i remember sitting in a church one time calling her like when our home was on the market really i was a mess emotionally so i used that as the crutch to call her mm-hmm. and be like i just got to tell you um, crazy right now yeah and so your family has been the same yeah when I
0: use business
2: now to call her so this happened (laughs) so Sunday's number (laughs) is anybody who who wants to call Sunday
0: thank you for that thank Thank you you. there's um there's a movie it's kind of heady and and weird and independent but it has Philip Seymour Hoffman who's a genius still um because genius lives on and I believe his genius still lives But he was in a movie about a director directing a play, and it was like a director within a director. It was really interesting. Um, But he had a wife who was an artist who moved, I think, to Berlin, and they had a child. And he hadn't seen the child in a while. And at at one point, he saw them in a magazine article because the wife was having an exhibit, and um, the child was posing in a photo, and the child had tattoos from head to toe. And he was appalled and he felt they need to go and check out like what's happening yeah. to my kid. And what I took it as in my own way of kind of analyzing the movie, it's like, well, we get imprinted mm-hmm. from our parents. Yeah. Sure. And if oh. they could only see what they give us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, you know, you guys have a, a wonderful, huge van yes, <laughs> yes we do, <laughs> to take you all your kids it. safely around the country. <laughs> and I love the bumper stickers because it just shows a really well traveled family and a really open and, awesome adventurous family and i feel like if you could see what you're imprinting your kids with it's beautiful after talking to them and seeing (laughs) them in this in this new phase what you're doing what you're placing on them is just absolutely beautiful so thank you for Mm -hmm. doing that because you're raising beautiful citizens and the next generation of what is to come is continues to get even more beautiful Mm because i feel like you're part of that too so thank you
1: it does thank you it does indeed
0: Hey, tattoos. Good tattoos. Yay, tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
1: Right. Thank you. Good. That's not
0: too bad. Thank you.